0: Ladies and, well, ladies, we're talking business, ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business, ladies in business, especially tradie business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in tradie businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. Welcome back, listeners, to another Ladies in Business podcast episode. I'm very excited today. I think I'm excited every episode. I think I start all the time excited and I'm excited all the way through, but as I mentioned, um, in a recent episode, I have some amazing women in my life, and a big part of the joy in producing this podcast for me is bringing some of their stories to the table, so that you get to be oh, as encouraged and in, as enthused as I have been. And one of those today, it, I am joined by Christy Lee Billet. Now, Christy Lee is the am I going to say CEO, founder, director, all, all those city, things, all, all of the, the hats. <laughs> of the footprint group and people power hr have i said that right yes people powered hr that's the one this is why i don't do it and i normally let it throw (laughs) to you um and we're going to be talking about i guess all things women in business but also what needs to happen for you and your team prior to a christmas break Christy lee thank you for joining me today
1: thanks for having me nicole it's great to be here and i'm super excited as well i love exciting days
0: (laughs) it's something nice after the gloomy weather we've both been having Uh (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about who you are how we came to be chatting today Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I am effectively an outsourced HR manager or HR practitioner, and I work with small businesses specifically on uh, helping them navigate the complexities of the HR environment, making sure they're compliant, but most importantly, helping them build teams that drive their business performance whilst giving them their nights and weekends back. So. I really just work with businesses who are, who employ staff, not large enough to have a HR manager, um, but do want some help and support and guidance and they want to get it right and they don't want to be spending 80 hours a week managing people. They want to do what they got into business for. So you and I have connected through the wonderful Tradies in Business um, business that you have and uh, we've chatted all things, people management, team and HR there um,
0: and it's uh, yeah great to connect with you here. Thank you. I um, I think it's the mo- the biggest frustration for most business owners is team. It can be really challenging and, and as we've spoken about before understanding the legalities is so complicated even just isolating the right award yep. for an employee can be really really tough but then there's all that other stuff that goes into the development of the team mm. that I think often gets neglected because we're focused on the legalities but this isn't what you've always done um, necessarily you have a bigger than this life can you tell us a little bit about you Absolutely. So
1: I am, I am a mum, I'm a wife, I'm a stepmum. I live on the New South Wales Central Coast beachside, which I love. It's been a very deliberate uh, move to this location. Um, got a fabulous rescue dog. And really, you know, business is a big part of my life, but yeah, life when you're navigating parenting teenagers, as we were just discussing, <laughs> is is busy
0: and it's interesting and it's uh, lots of fun along the way. That's far more complimentary than we were just being. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) It's really tough. Let's be honest. It is really hard. I think it's one of those unspoken about areas of business, particularly for women. I think um, as mums, I often talk about the mum guilt, and we carry an awful lot of that guilt and baggage around with us on a day-to-day basis, and we don't talk about it enough. And I remember attending a conference. Actually, it was a two-day conference I don't even remember what the conference was about I don't think there was any real purpose to it but there are several authors that were giving speeches and two of those authors were talking about that guilt of being a mother it was like a light bulb went off for me mm. hallelujah other people feel this way I'm not totally alone And I think that it's great to actually talk about how complicated and how messy and how hard that can be when trying to run our own businesses, excluding pandemics and homeschooling and all that other wonderful territory that we've had to navigate over the last couple of years, even doing it in the old way, in my air quotes Mm. that nobody can see, um, is extremely complicated, trying to balance what do we do when they're sick, how do we... Pick up the balls at work and not drop the balls at home. How do you blend it all? Do you have any tips on how you make it work other than mine? <clears throat> a lot of mine definitely is the answer. <laughs> Look, <clears throat> I have a saying that work-life balance is
1: total BS. And I think the more we stop trying to achieve that, the easier life becomes. I think it was made up by someone who wanted to make a lot of money off making people feel guilty that they're never ever going to get there. So I think we need to take the pressure off ourselves. The mum guilt is real, and I think female business owners are the worst for it because absolutely everything comes before them kids family cooking cleaning business team all the things and you you know i've hit burnout more than once and it's it's a real experience and i think i think firstly the thing is you've got to be real about what you want your life to look like and there is no right or wrong in that and there are times when I'm totally consumed by business and definitely am not the best mum and there are other times where my business doesn't get my full attention because I'm really busy being a mum but I'm not afraid to share that I got it wrong (laughs) a lot early on and I tell people this story and it's true and it's really quite sad both of my daughters went from hospital to my office Mm. not to home because I had to get in and do payroll and you know. They just had to come along with me. Um, that is not an ideal scenario for a business owner. They were both in long daycare at 12 weeks old, um, you not know, full time, but certainly three or four days a week. Mm-hmm. None of these things are what, uh, uh, you know, our image of a perfect mum looks like. But that's the reality when you've got to get scrappy and you've got no one else to do it and, and you, you know, need that support around you. So I didn't feel guilty about that despite my friends being very astonished that that was even a, a thing I would be considering. So it's your journey. There is no right or wrong and you navigate it the best way you can.
0: I freaking love that. There is so much judgment, I think, in being a woman from your, our peers. Yes. These people are meant to be or should be our biggest supporters. And instead we're looking at each other with these judgy eyes, tearing mm. each other down because we're not upholding um each other's visions of perfection and yet it's all bullshit as you said we'll call yep. it what it is yep um as you say the work-life balance does not exist i haven't found it i've tried really hard i've gotten better at it over the years yes yes and there's always still something that's missing and it's much easier to get better at it as your kids are teenagers because suddenly you have all this free time anyway <laughs> when you're not being a chauffeur <laughs> like exactly but they want nothing to do with you so if you can get away without the chauffeuring you've got plenty of free time in theory Um, But I I do think that it needs to become a bigger conversation. It's Mm. really hard and we have to make the right decisions with the tools that we have at the right time for us. And that doesn't make your journey wrong or my journey wrong or anyone else's wrong. It's just what's right for them in those moments. And if we can start supporting one another and elevating that and being okay with the bigger conversations, Mm. we stop the judgment and making people feel like crap when it's just not necessary. I don't have to have a perfect house. I don't have to have perfectly behaved children. I would like to, but I don't. I don't, you know, the dogs might get washed once a month instead of once a fortnight. This stuff just, it really isn't important in the long scheme of things. Yeah. It's not going to make a change. And if we can just put down that judgy stick that we all seem to carry around, yeah. um, we can all feel more comfortable and life begins to get better. So I think it's great that we can have that discussion on the podcast today. And hopefully there are others out there listening and who sit there and think, you know what? It's okay that I'm not going to get to the washing today.
1: Absolutely. No one is going to die if your floors don't get vacuumed today. Let's be real. And my floors are tiled and covered in dog hair every single day of the week. I could vacuum twice a day and it would still, I, you know, and it does my head in, but I've had, you know, you've got to let that stuff go because you'll only, you know, you're the only person you're hurting by putting all that pressure on yourself is you. So no one else is suffering. I remember I was on a, I can't remember what it was, a conference or a call. It was a Zoom call. I think it was about last year. And one of the women on the call shared that she was up at 4am cleaning her skirting boards because she didn't have time to get it done any other time. I'm like, are you for real? Like that is not a priority in anyone's world. And if it's that important to you, pay someone else to do it. Yes. (laughs) You know, I just, I think we put way too much pressure on ourselves must by thinking that it's put on us by someone else a lot of the
0: time that's really true and i think if there's one key learning in business it's that you can't do it all yourself no. and at some point in time understand budget sometimes get in the way and at some point it has to be a priority to be able to share the responsibility and share that load for it to become okay at the height of uh our building construction company and it was incredibly busy we employed Um, 13 team and there was myself and my husband we had the five kids still in high school I couldn't do it all we had somebody help with the garden we had somebody help with the cleaning and they were choices I made so that I could spend more time at work Mm -hmm. then create some of that supposed balance on the weekend by being able to be there to show for the kids around to their various sports so Mm. something has to give and that wasn't always a financial priority for us there were times at which it was more of a priority to have less time at work so i would do my own cleaning i would do Mm. the the mowing myself or the builder would do it and it wasn't a problem because that's where our financial priorities were at that time that's right I think it's just about identifying, and I think we should be involving our partners in these discussions, um, but identifying what's important to us as a family and Mm -hmm. working towards financially having the ability to have a cleaner or somebody do the gardens or wash the car or whatever it might be to support us. Because as they say, it takes a village. However, we don't have villages anymore. No. Now we have to employ a village to help us.
1: That's right, and a lot of us don't um, either live nearby our, you know, family or our village, so to speak, or have chosen that that's not actually the the model we want in our world, and so it's okay to then have an alternative. And I think if we're all more open to the fact that there is no right or wrong, and if someone wants to take ten years off work to raise children, great, good for them. And if someone else doesn't want to, also great. And if we just open our eyes to it all being okay, I think we can also learn a lot from different models, different ways of doing things that we might take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, borrow that for our lives. Um, and if you're open to it, it can make life a whole lot easier. I was chatting to a, uh, a network of women a little while ago, and we were asked whether we worked on weekends. And it's a question I ask my clients a lot as well, because they're small business owners, so they usually do. And one person shared in the group that she will work on weekends but she will only work on business strategy or business growth activities. She will not do any client work on the weekend. And I remember hearing that going, that is an awesome idea Mm. and that is something I could take. But if I hadn't been open to hearing
0: what everyone else was doing, you you just don't hear those things. That's incredibly true. You make a fantastic point. Christy Lee, how did you come to be working in HR? Is this what you've always (laughs) done for work or is this... You know, like the rabbit hole that I fell down and ended up doing what I do now.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear from people that actually are doing what they've <laughs> to do because I think they're in the minority. Very no, funny. I had no desire to be anywhere near HR as a career. I, um, I studied forensic psychology at uni. Wow I,
0: they do go hand in hand I'm gonna
1: say. I will say that they do it's a fact so it's not surprising that I've ended up here but I studied that and had full plans to go overseas and uh, go to London and be a criminal profiler of course naturally as I was planning to do it to wow. <laughs> but I needed some money to save up for this massive adventure so I took a job I actually went to a recruiter to get a job and they said why don't you come and work here we need someone to work in our recruitment agency and I thought "Eh, sure why not I was just going there to earn some money I turned up being pretty good at it in the end. And what I realized is that I have an innate ability to read people and my psychology experience or studies certainly helped with that. So I did that for a little while. It was not particularly satisfying, I guess, in that once we placed people, I could find them the perfect candidate, but I had zero involvement or control about what happened from there. And so often things were very broken beyond finding them the perfect person. So there was never going to be long-term success. And I I started to really see that pattern and and formed an interest, I guess, in the broader organizational psych and HR side of things. So whilst I was doing that career, went ahead and got my master's in HR and ultimately just had a yearning to always have my own business from an entrepreneurial family. So Always wanted to do my own thing and at one point just decided enough was enough and that I was going to go and do that. And at the time I was working with a really nice huge international firm. They made some changes. I said, you know what, I'm not up for that. And a week later had rented offices, had my own business, had my logo, my cards, all of it. And to boot, I did it all while my now ex-husband was overseas on
0: business because there was no way he was going to be okay with that. So I just went ahead and did all of that whilst he was overseas. Wow so talk yeah. about a woman of action that's incredible yeah it doesn't take long to set up business if you just apply yourself for a week i discovered oh, that's true that yeah. is true if it, anything can happen when you apply yourself that's for sure mm. but, you know even just moving through the process of making that decision and, and jumping out there and doing it i like you was always going to have my own businesses i've had them since i was mm, 22 mm-hmm. um was my first business and i can't I, I spent a lot of time working for others um similar to your story in bigger corporations within pharmacy um, managing multiple stores etc and i loved it and there's nothing quite like being responsible for yourself mm. and having to make those big decisions on the fly as you go yeah which you've just perfectly demonstrated in setting up a business in a week by just taking the bull by the horns and doing what needed to be done i think it's a secret superpower that us women have yeah when we have the time and the space and the focus we're away there's no stopping us yeah. Yeah. And look, it probably was easy
1: to do it that quickly because that was pre-children and all of those things. But um, I saw an opportunity. There was no one servicing the market that I was going into. It was boutique recruitment. It was Central Coast, very local, uh, much smaller sort of focus business than I have now, um, but just jumped headfirst in. And it was, it was super successful in lots of ways. But again, recruitment only served such a purpose so you know a couple of years in we developed the HR consultancy practice and that's really what the business has grown into today.
0: So tell me about what you do do today because it's a little bit different to that and there's a couple different arms as I alluded to there's the footprint group and people powered HR and they're both a little different in their service offerings. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about what you do with those?
1: Yeah absolutely so the footprint group is my consultancy practice so it's the practice I've had since 2006 and basically what I do is work one-on-one with businesses to help them with all of the HR matters. So whether that's writing their employment agreements, helping them navigate the awards and, the you know, understanding all of that, um, helping them with performance management, documentation, um, today's phone calls around redundancies and terminations, so the entire gamut of the process. And previously I was very much hands-on, on-site, doing the work for a lot of businesses, uh, but now it's much more... Um, remote online and helping them with the documentation but not turning up in their offices and doing the full HR management for them. And so that's very much one-on-one bespoke uh, consultancy and we do everything from recruiting staff through to, as I said, terminating staff and everything in between. And then People Powered HR is our monthly subscription service. So effectively, you get access to myself as a HR practitioner, as well as a whole range of resources and trainings um, on a monthly basis inside our portal and inside our Facebook group. And really, the benefit there is it's very low cost and it's, it's almost like an insurance policy. If you've got a question, you jump into the group and ask it and you get it answered without having to make the expensive phone calls, the consultant, Mm -hmm. um, because I found that's what a lot of businesses were holding back and they wouldn't call because they didn't want the cost because they thought they could figure out the answer and then ended up with a much bigger cost on their hands because they had it wrong.
0: So true. I don't know how many conversations I've had about seeking support in various areas in business, whether it be HR services, the support of a lawyer, the support of other legal services to help you with contracts mm. or your accountant. And it, I think in our heads um, the cost is unknown and so we're frightened of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And yet what invariably happens is exactly what you've just said and I've put myself in this hole myself on many occasions. We end up much further out of pocket because we haven't, taking the opportunity to get the understanding around the initial cost, work through that, and instead we're, we're presented with this disaster. I had a HR disaster myself that, oh, that, it's a story and <laughs> a half, so I won't go all the way there, but it was really hard, it, and it made some, some life-changing mm-hmm. changes to our business and our personal life um through no fault of our own other than being naive and not yes. seeking out that information before we found ourselves in the hole that we were in I can guarantee we never found ourselves in that one again no, no once there you won't go
1: back but yes. it's like anything in business you don't know what you don't know i mean i don't know all the tax laws and implications i rely on my accountant to give me that advice right. Um, you know, you can't be an expert on everything in small business. You're an expert on what it is that you do. You know, your what you got into business for. Everything else, you know. I remember doing a bookkeeping course when I was something like 36 weeks pregnant, wow. because I thought, you know, obviously I should learn this myself. <laughs> Stupid! <laughs> I definitely did not need to understand double entry bookkeeping for my business. Nice. So I've, I've definitely made the mistake too of thinking that I need to learn all the things. It's just it's it's not the best use of your
0: time. It really isn't. And we've got to stick to what we do best. Yeah. Um, yep. That's going to pay the dividends in the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really interested in the subscription model. Obviously, we have a similar membership type model here yeah. at Trades and Business. And it's still quite a new venture, I think, particularly in Australia. I think something's been rolled out in America really successfully for yeah. a long time. How did you come across that idea and how are you finding putting it in place?
1: Look, I'm... I'm an active member of a lot of memberships and the networks that I guess I spend time in learning about that, they're they're really good at you know figuring out what would or wouldn't work in that model. And but I guess because I'm a really happy participant in that model, I could see the opportunity for it for a long time. It took me took me years to figure out how it would work in HR because I had this idea that I I knew it would work but how that would logistically work did take me a number of years to really figure out and I think because it is so new here in Australia particularly and especially in business to business markets. I think a lot of people will join a membership to learn how to cook or to crochet or something for their personal life but in business we um, we just it's not as accustomed to it, but really, when you think about it, it's a—it's like anything else. You know, you get your Netflix subscription because you want to be able to watch TV and the shows you want when you want. And I see these subscription business models in exactly the same way. And I, people will say, oh, "I don't have time to do another thing." This is memberships are not a course; they are availability of information when you need it or when you want it. They're not a requirement to do ten steps every month to get a result or anything like that you can go and do courses of course but I, I see these models of business as really effective ways to get support around you that is cost effective but also means that you've got a place to go I mean I'm I'm in a membership that is around um, uh, sort of online social not just social media but also digital marketing effectively is probably the best word for it and I, there's some months that I won't do a thing, but there, you know, if something happens with my Facebook account. I'm that's I go there because they're the experts. I don't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I see value in it as a consumer. So that really helps me make that decision in the business.
0: I think you've raised some really, really valid points there, and it is so much about setting up that community. We, we're happy to outsource community and so other, so many other areas of our lives, and yet. In some of the most important ones ie business we tend Mm. to be really slow to do something and a lot of that i feel comes from having to be vulnerable enough to ask questions yeah because we don't know what we don't know and often we don't know where to start to find the information that we need and then when we do find a direction it means that we have to be vulnerable and say i don't know everything i might need some help here and that's super challenging have you found that being a barrier for your members yeah, and I certainly expected that
1: that would be a barrier for um, for for businesses, particularly around HR, because it's such a sensitive topic in terms of people not wanting to disclose that they've hired the wrong person or they need to hire someone or they've got a problem child. And it also exposes a lot of challenges around individual leadership, which is not really what most people think that they're going to come into, but it is often the roadblock. But what I've found is the more members are sharing questions and seeing the value in the answers, you do see other members start to open up. So we had a we had a situation where one of our members posted a question about hiring an apprentice. It was the first time they're in an industry where they install blinds and so forth into people's homes. It's not a common industry to do apprenticeships in. Um, and she was keen to explore it because it is like most trades businesses are a candidate short market, and one of our other members, who is a very successful electrical business, jumps straight in with the exact formula she uses to find apprentices. Because it is apprentices are tricky, right? Because you've you've got no experience or skill base to work with. You're working on gut feel and all sorts of things. And she shared a survey that she gets the tradies that supervise the um, trial to do. Uh, she's looking at business values fit and all sorts of things. And she just shared that really openly in the group. And this other member who is, you know, first time ever considering this was just so appreciative. And so when you've got that supportive community as well that are helping each other, it's not only are you, you know, you're going to get an expert HR viewpoint, But you've got other businesses who, at different points in time, will all experience similar pains.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's the common element and the most important element, I think, of these kinds of subscriptions or memberships is understanding you're not alone and being in a space in which you're supported to have those conversations around what's going wrong, Mm. what you could potentially change. It's not all about what's going wrong. Often it's about, well, I want to move in this direction. How do I make that change? Yeah. I, I We have the exact same thing in tradies and business, the constant sharing. Yeah. Um, they're almost like each other's cheerleaders. We'll often have a thread of a lot of cheering and roaring because somebody's <laughs> managed to do something they've been waiting to do for a while, yeah. which is fantastic because out in the business world, it doesn't feel that way. It actually feels quite <laughs> isolating and quite um, lonely at times on the business journey Because we're unable, well, again, we're so frightened of the judgment that we referred to at the beginning of the episode, it's really hard to put your hand up and say, I don't know how to do this, or I think I've done this wrong, what do I do now? And so, as we've spoken about, those memberships do allow for the community to support you through that, you're not stuck out on your own.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think the the other issue is that business owners tend to think and need to be very independent. And so they might find one trusted advisor, which traditionally has been their accountant, and they expect this person to have all the answers about all the things. And I think for a long time accountants tried to be that person but have, you know, realised obviously in the most part that actually just stick to your own line and, and, and will then call another. You know, I get a lot of referrals from accountants for that reason. Um and I think as business owners, we need to realise that it's okay to have a really solid group of trusted advisors that we go to who are all experts in in their respective fields. And, and I'm, as I said, I'm a member of lots of different communities for that reason, and I get great value from that.
0: Mm. You have to have a team, whether you like it or not some sort of team it is, it's a team sport and you need to have a team behind you um and we talk all the time about having various advisors for various parts of your business hr take it from me is <laughs> <learned the> <laughs> a very important part of that team that you must have to ensure that you're kept safe mm. um, Chrissy, lee christmas it's it's a challenging time for business owners a lot of business owners here in australia have a bit of a shutdown period, they take Mm -hmm. a bit of time out, at least the time in between Christmas and New Year. I'm sorry to all our retail business owners that are listening to the podcast today. Our thoughts are with you. We understand how tough it is. Mm. Those of us not in retail, though, that will be having a shutdown period, what kinds of things do we need to consider as we roll into the Christmas break?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think this year we need to be really concentrating on this because what we know for sure, is there's this, you might have heard, I don't know whether you've heard this term, the great resignation. It's a bit of a phenomenon that's floating about. But the reality is the research out of Gartner, who's a very established research firm here in Australia, has shown us that three and five Aussies are looking to change jobs in the next 12 months. Wow. So we are going to see big change across all industries. We've got some sectors that are already, you know, and have been for a long time struggling to find talent all the trades. I don't think there's one trade that is an exception on this, but also professional services, accounting and legal, they're finding it tough as well and have for a long time. You throw into that mix that we're going to see a huge amount of change. Mm -hmm. There are some things you can do now pre-Christmas to help really avoid having any kind of fallout next year and really to set things up now so that when you come back in January, you're starting with momentum and not starting with, oh, what are we up to again? Which can be the case because and I guess I, what I would say as well is I get that we're all exhausted mm. and that that probably business planning or doing any of that is the last thing we really want to do pre-Christmas. Mm. But there is some value in doing some activities when it comes to our team. So the first thing I would say is if you haven't already clearly communicated and put in place the strategies for what Christmas close down looks like, get onto that stash. Um, so whether that's formalizing the leave arrangements, finding out who wants extra leave and just those logistical things. That's really important. But outside of that, I, there's a few things I would suggest that you do this side of Christmas to set things up for a really solid new year. And the first is to really get clear about what you want the, the next 12 months to look like, even just at a very big picture level and start to share it with the team. The last thing you want is your team going on Christmas leave. Either uncertain or overwhelmed or exhausted with nothing to look forward to. Because every single year, January is our biggest year for our biggest month for resignations. That's just that's just how the market works. People go on the Christmas break, they spend time with family and friends, and they reassess what they want. Mm-hmm. You throw into that the fact that no one's traveled for two years. We've got basically three cohorts of travellers, whether it's the uni students looking to take their gap year or those that are looking to, you know, do some big international travel. No one's been able to do anything. Right now we actually don't even know whether that's going to be possible next year. (laughs) Asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, everyone's booking everything. (laughs) I don't actually know. But you're going to see some increased, you know, travel activity for the last two years as well. Most people or a lot of people have really just stayed put. Um, even if they weren't 100% happy because the risk of change was just too great. There was too much other stuff going on. We were homeschooling. You know, it was just too dramatic. So we are going to see increased change. So if you can set your team off on the Christmas break with some kind of vision as to what the new year is going to look like, some some news about exciting projects or something that's going to really get them excited about coming back to work. So they've got something to look forward to in January. That is a really good strategy. Mm. And the second layer to that is I would be having one-on-one conversations with every single one of my team members and just asking them, what do you want to achieve next year personally and professionally? Now, you're going to hear some stuff you don't want to hear. <laughs> I'm just going to preface that. Um, but that's okay because you need to go into this eyes wide open. Yeah. And until you ask the question, you don't know the answer. And if you find out that someone's really looking to make a leap in their career or to learn something new, maybe just maybe you can make that happen for them but if you didn't know they wanted to do it you had no chance so i'd be talking to them about what they want to achieve personally and professionally and if there's any way you can align your business strategies and vision with what they want personally and professionally that is gold standard and you'll you'll retain them
0: i think it's timely to point out how expensive it is to offboard an old employee and an onboard a new one. One of the Ooh. attitudes that we come across a lot, unfortunately still is, um, you know, that I would call it the old boss mentality where it was, well, I pay them, so they should do as they're told. And the truth is, it's just not like that anymore. Nope. And now more than ever, we have such a pliable workplace in which, everybody is looking they're just dabbling the the rates have gone through the roof the conditions can be far more favorable from one job to another so everybody's open to the idea of being um, transportable, or headhunted, mm-hmm. or thinking about what other opportunities are around. So it's a good reminder that it's really expensive to offboard someone, and even more expensive to onboard somebody fresh, new. And yes, it can be exciting and a great challenge for the business. But do you really want that? As you go into early 2022, which is going to be a great year. If we just keep saying it's going to be great, it will be great. It will be great. Absolutely, it's going to
1: be a <laughs> fabulous year. And look. The the data is every time you refill a role in your business, it costs you at least thirty percent of the annual salary, up to one hundred fifty to two hundred percent if it's a you know income generating role. But minimum thirty percent. So any role in your business, you are literally spending tens of thousands of dollars every time you need to refill that role, and that is real cost. That's not only just the cost of recruitment; it's the lost productivity, it's the time, it's all the things that go into it. So. You do definitely want to be thinking
0: about that. Such a simple thing. We we advocate here at Trees and Business all the time. Um, regular one on ones on a weekly basis, actually touching in with your team, mm-hmm. just giving the opportunity to, um, I guess, take yourself off the pedestal that your team often put you on. Mm-hmm become more approachable, have a good chat, get to know them a little better. So they have the opportunity to bring some of these conversations with you. But then the bang up behind that needs to be that we're doing regular reviews and allowing for a bigger conversation around what they want. Mm. And you're absolutely right. You're often going to hear things that you don't want to hear. I might like to go out in business on my own or thinking of moving up to Queensland, or I don't know. There's always things that we don't want to hear. And there are opportunities mm-hmm. within those things that we don't want to hear if the team is right for us. And those opportunities might be, well, I always wanted to open a branch in Queensland, let's explore it. Or I really wanted to give you a pay increase. I didn't really, but I will now because (laughs) I I really want you to stay because I know that's actually gonna add to my business over time. Or fantastic, here's some new training. Let's look into doing this particular training and see if we can't do something with that training as you do it. I think um, the overarching sort of support behind this needs to be that Um, understanding for a team on how they can move around within the business whether it be sideways or moving up again I think it's something that we don't do well in small business because we limit ourselves to thinking we're always going to be a small business Mm -hmm. and yet as our businesses grow there are opportunities growing up left right and center so when you're doing your goal setting um, yourself and then with your team before the Christmas break I totally recommend you think about what you might like business to look like in five years mm. and then what roles might that actually open up internally within your company and are there people on your team that you can start to filter into those roles as we move through the next 12 months or so. Mm. Imagine as a team member, I think, you know, again, as business owners, we tend not to think too much about team. That sense of security going into Christmas yeah. must mm-hmm. be so phenomenal if we even just talk about women if we only talked about women for a moment for you about their families they've got children they need to take care of I feel really secure and comfortable in my job and even better still I know next year my satisfaction levels are gonna go through the roof because I'm allowed to do some training in this area or there's an opportunity for me to move up into a different position within the company that can be so accommodating for them so that they want to come back and give you more as an employee to help your business grow so they can get where they need to be Yep. I feel like it's that one thing that we're really not looking bigger at yet.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think what what we need to realise is, you can't grow a business that gives you all the success that you want, because no one gets into business because they want to be unsuccessful, but also give you freedom without a team. You can be super successful as a sole trader, absolutely, but you will hit burnout because you'll be working ridiculous hours. And so you really do need team to do both. And I think the other thing we need to remember with our team is this actually isn't their business. <laughs> and we forget that sometimes. And So, therefore, we shouldn't expect them to be treating the business the same way that we do. And I think that's an unrealistic expectation that sometimes we hold on to. So, if they're deciding that maybe full-time isn't for them anymore, they want a bit more balance, we need to be really thinking very flexibly when it comes to our team. And, in fact, flexibility is not – it's no longer a perk. It is an absolute expectation. And that doesn't mean that everyone's working from home. There's all different forms of flexibility, but it's being ready to work around that. And I think especially for women and especially for mums, to be fair, but also, you know, women who are getting to an age where they might be caring for their aged parents, that's that's a whole other challenge that um, we don't really give enough time and credit to. And so I do see a lot of women leave the workforce because of that strain and pressure because they just can't juggle both. And I think we need to be aware of, all the different demands and and I fully expect we will see a lot of both men and women but particularly women look to start their own side mm-hmm. hustles or um, you know own businesses in the near future to to get that sense of control back and if we can juggle that while they're still employed with us and maybe even offer both great
0: yeah the landscape is certainly changing isn't it and, mm-hmm. and we can you know flippantly blame or attribute that to covid and what we've seen Mm. over the past two years and yet i think that that it was on the shift anyway when i think yes I i do think times were changing and um you know a traditional office looked very different than it did 10 years before and a corporate job even looked very different than it did 10 years before so there's opportunity for you to take that into your small business and think about well what kind of changes could i put in place to make my um i guess community around my workplace more um comfortable for those who might want to come work with me and have that flexibility that they require to continue doing what they need to do and i do think that we forget really quickly we make a bunch of assumptions as employers around what we should expect from our employees or what their lives might look like and we do tend to forget it's not their business they are working to help support our dreams yes and yes, a good employer should be looking to support theirs in return. It's so true, and I, I often quote a line from
1: a, a ni- early nineties Jim Blossom song, which goes, "If you don't expect too much from me, you might not be let down." And I think that that applies both to ourselves and to our team. That if our expectations are right, and I'm not talking lowballing, I'm talking having solid expectations. But it's when we expect the extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And we're not not necessarily paying extraordinarily amounts or anything like that, but we have this extraordinary expectation that we feel
0: let down, but it was our expectation that was off, not the employee's performance you've nailed it and how often do we actually verbalize those expectations or are they just assumptions and expectations we keep to ourselves Mm -hmm. how can you achieve those expectations if nobody's told you that's what you meant to do exactly Exactly. (laughs) really it seems simple but actually they can't read our minds. no unfortunately not yet but who knows what What exactly (laughs) Christy Lee, um, that's two fantastic tips to take into Christmas. Of course, if you haven't yet communicated with your team what to expect over the Christmas break, please do so ASAP so everybody knows what's going on. But more importantly than the dynamics of that, it's about thinking about where you want the business to travel to, um, sharing that with your team, getting them to buy into your excitement, understand what opportunities are available to them, and then having some bigger conversations with them about what they want to achieve next year sure not all of it's going to be exactly what you want for them and that's okay you can still work towards that and it's going to give you a whole bunch of heads up before you go into that scary period hopefully you can secure and bed them down ready for january i do believe 100 percent like you um, january is a big time for change this next year it always is and i think there's huge potential this next year so now is the time to be betting those relationships
1: absolutely and we know also that I think it's more than 50% of companies are planning for growth next year. So there's going to be a lot of new exciting activity around and we just want to be ready for it. So, you know, the other thing I guess is don't forget to recognise, reward, say thank you to your team, Um, whether it's been a really awful year because it has been, you know, retail and hospitality I'm thinking of here Mm -hmm. or you've had an absolute boomer of a year, which, you know, um, trying to get a tradie to quote off on any jobs in my area is ridiculously hard. So they've had an awesome year. They've been very busy, Um, you know, and lots of online businesses have have had a stellar year too, but often that creates busyness that means you forget that you've got to actually say, hey, thanks, or I know it's been tough, we got through it, let's look forward to next year. It doesn't have to be grand gestures. The really simple things matter most.
0: I don't think there's anything better than a handwritten card. Yeah. And i am yet to find someone who doesn't appreciate that somebody else has taken the opportunity to really Sit down and think about them and handwrite a card. Yep, the
1: little, just little things. People just yeah
0: want to be appreciated, so Absolutely.
1: don't forget to do that.
0: Christy Lee, I appreciate you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you too. Thank you. See, I could do this segue thing for anyone yes. who hasn't listened to Warwick and I bantering over <laughs> on the Tradies and Business website um, podcast. Ordinarily, it's him doing the segue, but I, I think I can get on. You this nailed it. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Now, if our listeners want to find out more about what you do and particularly your membership, how do they find you, Christy Lee? Look, you can connect with me on all the socials.
1: Um, You can come and join our Facebook group, which is HR Support for Australian Businesses, or you just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au. All the details of the membership and uh, a link to find out more are right there.
0: Fabulous. We'll include all of that in the show notes as well. If you can't find anything, just let me know. Reach out to me on socials. Um, Chrissy Lee is a fantastic supporter to us here at Tradies and Business, but mostly to small business particularly, and um, no question is too big or too small. So please, you know where to find us, over at tradiesandbusiness.com.au and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a
1: story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.